Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I am I'm thrilled to be in Germany today. I'm actually in Munich and I'm talking with Dora Zvanyar, who is the organizer of TEDx TUM. And I believe TUM is T-U-M, which stands for Technical University Munich. Did I get that right? Yes, that's right, Mark. Well, welcome. Technical so, University of Munich. I, I love it. So tell me about that school. Um, well, we're um, there are two very large uh, universities in Munich. One is the TUM, and one is called LMU, which is um, offers mostly humanities subjects. And we're at the Technical University, which means that we have a lot of research in and around technology, science, those kinds of things. And we have around forty thousand students, roughly, oh plus gosh. a lot of PhDs. So it's a pretty big university. Yeah, that, that's bigger than some of the towns I've interviewed for the show. <laughs> Yeah, well, Munich is a big city. And and what is uh, what do you do with? Are you a student now? I am a PhD student, so I've been doing my PhD for the last um, past two and a half years in computer science, soft, uh, software engineering, to be exact. So I teach a lot, and um, yeah, I started uh, TEDx TUM in the first year along with a group of others. Um, but back then I was still a student. So then I started my PhD and now I'm here to stay. Tell me uh, the conversation. I'm really interested in, in that, that idea that said, I'm going to do a TEDx and, you know, with your friends. But what, what was that? Tell me about that. Take us back. Tell the story. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't uh, the person who started, who first decided to uh, do a TEDx at our university. Um, there's a person called Dietrich. He was in uh, Australia and he uh, on an exchange and there he learned about TEDx and he participated in the organization of a TEDx event at his university there. So he decided to bring it to Munich and I didn't know what TEDx was at the time. I loved TED and TED Talks. I watched one per day. I still do. Really? And um, yeah, <laughs> and then I saw um, this announcement in some student group that I was in. And I said, what? What is TEDx? So I looked it up and I said, of course, I want to do it here and I get to be involved in it. And that was great. And I kind of never looked back. And it was really cool. Um, so how many people are on your team? How many people did, did Dietrich and you draft to come help you? So back then we were, I think officially we were around 12 people. Around six did the most of the work. And we didn't have any team structure back then. So everyone did a bit of everything, which was great. There was a small event, six speakers, one evening. It was a lot of excitement. We didn't have any experience before, and but we were you know, doing it because we loved it. 
Uh, then the second year, I took over in the second year along uh, with my colleague Eric, who's also a PhD here at uh, the university. So then we kind of PhDs took over the lead and we wanted to establish a more um, durable structure. So we divided the team into sub teams and we've been refining the team organization ever since. Um, and it's helped us a lot in, you know, kind of making sure that we're here to stay, even if we are gone, for example, or if I am gone at some point. So putting in structure so that you had a sustainable organization. Exactly. Yes. That was also one of the big challenges for us. Oh, tell me about that. Why, what, how was that a challenge? Well, it was, it still is, I think, the biggest challenge because we're a team, or there are a lot of students in our team. Mm, um, right. And back then, the team consisted almost exclusively of students. And, you know, they, as a student, you have trouble planning your year ahead and you cannot plan for young, longer than a year. Right. Um, and the team kept changing a lot. So in our in last year, we actually um, reformed the team completely, and we have now a core team, or we call them team leaders, of six people who kind of share the responsibility for the event. Um, and those are almost all PhD students or people who are already working full-time and know that their life is not going to change three times a year fundamentally. Um, so they kind of carry on the legacy and then they take on people as they um, as they need them. So, for example, if the stage design team needs a bunch of people to build the stage, they will get them. And if they leave again, then that's fine. If they stay, great. So we kind of have this flexibility coupled with, you know, a, a tight core of people who keep sharing responsibility for the event. And we've been doing that now for our uh, second year. And everyone is staying on the team, every team leader. So we're reaching maturity, which is great. That's a, a really great feeling when you have people come back because, you know, we, we all have done this for many years, lots of us, and uh, you've got that great person and then something happens and they have to leave, whether it was a life event or, you know, something like burnout, they just get just too much work. Mm -hmm. I, I've got to imagine uh, studying for a PhD and teaching is a burden on your time. So having those six people, now, I have a quick question. Do you have a faculty advisor is, or, or not? Um, well, we have a professor who um, supports us, but she's, and she's great. Like she lets us use the rooms and the resources of her chair here. Um, but she doesn't support us in terms of content. She hosted our event um, twice, which was great, but she doesn't have, she's traveling a lot and she doesn't have enough time or energy to be a constant member of the team. But whenever we need something, we can talk to her. She also has lots of contacts to industry. Um, if we're looking, for example, for a certain speaker, she will invite them sometimes. But it's funny that you mentioned burnout because we were, a lot of our team were pretty close to it, including me mm. um, last year, which is why we, I think, reformed the team. So that was also one of the big challenges, how to distribute um, responsibility so it doesn't cripple single person or two, three people of the team who then leave it's a it, it's a constant challenge for all of us with with time management mm -hmm. you know when i have not um i think what i might do actually i'm going to set a little goal for myself to keep track in my planner of um, all of my tedx hours and i mm -hmm. not just because my guess is it's about a thousand hours and when i say it like that it scares me 
Um, and I think someone who's listening right now is going, oh, no, it's more than that. <laughs> or it's less than that. I do right? that already. You do. I keep track of my hours already, but I'm afraid to look at the report. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't also really matter how many hours you spend. It's a lot of fun, and I get a lot out of it, right. and amazing things have happened. So I'm happy to invest the time. Tell me about one of those amazing things. Okay, so... Um, well, our, we had our main event, the 2nd of December, which is now about uh, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. And um, we had, I did um, a lot of curation for that event. I was also hosting. Um, I didn't need any team because I delegated that work, um, but I contributed in, in curation and hosting. And one of our speakers, she's a she's a science communicator, so she has a science comedy show. She's originally science, American, but she's so, Ireland. Science comedy show. Yes, science comedy show where she where um, researchers become comedians for a night, and uh, they do stand up comedy about their research. I love it. Okay, keep going. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I I'm an improver, and I do improv uh, ten nights a week. I mean, excuse me, a week. I always wow. say that. Ten nights a month, um, long form, short form, and then two shows uh, a month. And it's my most fun hobby. And so when you say science and comedy, I have to. Uh, is that talk posted yet? Uh, no, we will post it in the next uh, two weeks. So it will probably be online by the time that this episode goes online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so her name is Jessamine Fairfield. Got it. And we will have her on our website. Uh, and her project is called The Bright Club. It's in Ireland. And she is a couple, and they do, I think, one event per month. Um, and it's great. But she does So she does also um, this bit where she um, gets uh, the thesis title from someone from the crowd. Oh. And she has a ukulele. And she <laughs> improvs about the title. Like, she makes, like, four verses or something oh about, the, about the title and her interpretation of it. So we had her on. She did. Um, she did a talk, uh, but she also came back in the end um, to summarize the day oh and each gosh. talk in a song. Oh my! And that gosh. was amazing. Yeah, I bet. except that um, before she started, her we had her notes. We were supposed to have notes for her on the screen, and they weren't quite up there. So she improved my thesis title in front of everyone, <laughs> which was funny. <laughs> My favorite moment because I didn't know how to rescue hers and I was the host so I was like would you like me to give you a thesis title and she was like sure and then she she improved my thesis title which was a fun moment for me as as a true improver and I think the hardest thing to do in improv is musical improv so uh, I can't I can't wait to see that um, with you being right there uh, in Munich, a huge city, and lots of TEDxes around you, have you had an opportunity to go visit other events? Mm -hmm. So there are. Um, there used to be just one other TEDx event in Munich, TEDx München. There is now another one also in one part of the city. We're in contact with both of them. Um, but I visited also lots of others. Like I went to Luga TEDx Lugano in Switzerland this year. Oh, they had a sure. workshop there as well. I went to TEDx Vienna this year, which was also amazing. Um, yeah, I think, uh, well, I went to, to Global in Geneva, but it doesn't qualify as a TEDx event. Um, yeah, so from time to time, whenever I have um, the energy or a free weekend, I try to go 
my my goal my goal in life <clears throat> if i ever retire is to be able to travel on thursdays attend dress rehearsal on fridays ted events on saturdays go have fun with the organizers on sundays and fly home on monday and what a great life that would be and then i'd probably sleep on tuesday and wednesday and get ready for the next trip um one of the things uh, that i find uh so helpful about going to other ted's TEDx events, going to workshops. We've got a big um, California, uh, uh, they call the Calibaba workshop uh, this Saturday. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, uh, hosted by Mark from TEDx San Diego. But we get really good ideas, right, from other people. And, and I'm it, it, on the show, I listen to all of these ideas myself and put them to play for our show each uh, fall. I'm curious, give me an example of an idea it was completely unexpected that you saw from another event and you applied it to yours. Um, yeah, sure. Well, we, I was at one event. Um, I, I don't remember which one it was. Maybe it will come to me during the conversation because it was like two, two or three years ago mm. um, where they had speakers corners. So um, they had um, these parts of the venue where people would go into breaks if they wanted to talk to the speakers. And we had just done our event. And the, the point that kept cropping up the feedback was I wanted to talk to speaker X, but I mm. couldn't find them. Mm. So uh, we have been doing that now for two years where we have these speakers corners in the venue. Um, and I think they work well. Sometimes we have to have one of our team there to get the speaker something to drink or make sure that they uh, get some food at the, or that they're not ambushed by a particular person. <laughs> but um, I think they work well. Okay. So, so stay on that for a second because <clears throat> our head of user experience had a similar idea for us this year. And um, I don't think we executed it as well as we could because it was really hard. Do you um, – have those speaker corners throughout the day. So at the breaks, people can talk to them or is it after the whole event is over? So we have um, a three session event normally with four to five speakers per session max. And then we have four to five speakers corners in the break after the session. Got it. So the speakers from the session go to the corner after a session Got it. and then they have the rest of the day free. Um, yeah, it didn't. We have to figure out maybe a slightly different structure because it's quite exhausting for the speaker once yeah. they're done with their session to go to the corner straight away. Yeah. But we're still fine-tuning the idea. And um, another, I mean, I've gotten lots of ideas from this podcast. I have, oh. we have our team meeting tonight. Uh, our team leaders meeting, we're kicking off the organization for this year. And I have, I have a huge list of ideas just from this podcast. Um, a lot of them are from your wife, actually. Oh, oh great. <laughs> she, uh, she gave me lots of ideas on curation. It was great. The um, I, I will make sure I tell her that because we're <clears throat> we're constantly we've we've got a workshop coming up in uh, in a few weeks here in Santa Barbara called Road to the Red Circle, and it's uh, mm -hmm. you know it's the people want to learn the tricks of how to give a TED talk, but they don't want to do a TED talk. They they do high stakes short form presentations, communications, you know, whether it's uh, defending their thesis or it's uh, raising money or whatever, we believe that all the same kind of tips and tricks and strategies for learning how to do a TED Talk 
translate really well into the boardroom or, or wherever. In fact, I'm going to put a plug in for her because you said this at strategicsamurai.com slash red dash circle. Go there and sign up because she does um, two minute videos every Sunday that um, you might want to pass along to your speakers. Um, there, she does them in sets of seven, so it might be rehearsal rituals or mindful memorization or crafting content. And they're simple. It's a free thing that we do um, to to help because, as you know, preparing because you curated uh, preparing for a talk is is so difficult, and the um, the stakes the stakes are high. But I don't think they're as high as the speaker puts on themselves. Like they, they, do yeah. you notice that? They, they just put a, just a sure. tremendous pressure on themselves. And mm-hmm. so, so we want to help them with just little, just two minutes. Okay, you can do this. You can do this. Or here's a, a way to organize your talk. Or here's a way to think about um, rehearsing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna move on because we could talk we could talk the tips and thank you so much <laughs> I'd love to see your list because uh, uh, that would be that would be a helpful thing if if you don't mind tell me sure. what is it about the TED that you do because it's you know it's inside a school it's a big school it's technical it's all of that what is it that you uh, how do you make it unique how do you keep it unique. Uh, unique to the attendees or unique internally to the team? I think I think unique to yep. the attendees. Well, you know, if you were to say, because we know that TEDx there's a, there's a there's a format you know that that we work within, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of latitude, you know, like as organizers that we we all are different in some way. So how is it that you go to make your event either more local or take advantage of of the region and the resources mm-hmm. you have? So I, I think, and I hope nobody gets mad at me for saying this, um, I, I think we have a kind of social norm in Germany and especially in Munich that people are not very, it's a bit frowned upon if you're an open kind of person and you like to talk to all kinds of people and you're very outgoing. Um, so a lot of people don't like it. Oh, really? Um, I, don't, I don't really like prejudices, but if there were one for Munich, I think that would be it. Um and we have to put a lot of energy into getting people into this mindset of wow. of going out of their shell. It's not that they're mm. all interested. It's that they they like to be perceived as serious um, and to kind of getting them into this playfulness, which is why we need to do or want to do a mm-hmm. lot on the sides, a lot around the session. So we put an incredible amount of energy into activities and um and exhibits outside around the sessions. And we have really long breaks um, oh. to just kind of kick, kick people out of their box, um, which I think all TEDx events do. Um, but I feel like maybe I'm biased, but I feel like we have a bit of a harder challenge here in Germany than in uh, other parts of the world. World, You know, I, I'd not heard that before. And I think even, so the fact that you, someone goes to a TEDx event says something about that person, like automatically. Mm-hmm. Right. Yet they're also mm-hmm. bringing this cultural baggage, if you will, with them. Right. This is how we behave. I mean, it, it, 
and you don't want to stereotype cultures, but you found that out. So knowing that, and, and that's why we have these engagement strategies and user experience people. And we're all trying to, um, you know, like I, for instance, for me during the breaks, I walk around the edges of the event mm-hmm. and I find people that are standing there staring into their phone and I, you know, I just pull them and introduce them to people. I do that kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but so so knowing that and knowing you've been working on that diligently for the last several years, and I'm going to guess one of your six people is in charge of that. What's the yes, most, suce- what's the most successful tactic what, or, or game or event or activity or wh- which one is the one that is the winner each year, if you will. Um, so I, th- I think it's tricky because it's different for introverts and extroverts. Yes. Um, so one thing, one thing, two things that worked really well just at our last event just a month ago. Uh, one was called Pixel Ping Pong, which actually an artist brought to us. What? So we had a visiting artist who was doing live art in the breaks. And he had this device, this game where you have, so two people are sitting uh, facing each other at a table. And they have a blank sheet of paper in between them. And then one person starts drawing on their end. And when they stop, the other person draws something on the paper as well. And they kind of collaboratively finish that painting. It's very simple, really. Um, It's just called ping pong because you take turns. Right. But it was a huge success. And we put the photos of the um, artwork, if you can call it that, online or the doodles. Um, And it was really, really well received. I think I posted in the organizer um, TEDx group on Facebook as well about it. Um, but I can send you some pictures as well if you want to. It's uh, really some of them are really funny. So I have a I, I absolutely want to look at that and and put those up there. My first question is, and I've heard this from other organizers, is that when you create how many? By the way, how many people are at your event? Around six hundred. Okay, so so that that's a lot. And when you create these experiences, that's only one on one. How do you scale that up so you can have, do you have like long tables with people sitting across from one another and a lot of them doing it at once? Yes. So we had um, beer benches, which is a very, very thing. I'm not sure if they're known um, in all parts of the world. They're just basically very long, thin tables and you have a long bench on either side and you can, five people can sit on each side. So 10 people can sit at a table and we had, I think, eight of them. So we had a lot of room for people just doing that. And um, there, was, there was other stuff as well. Um, so is so it a timed it's, Because thing? they didn't stay so long. It was so, okay, got it, got um, it. Yeah, they stayed for like five minutes and then oh. they moved on. Oh, I love that. I'm going um, to take that idea, pixel ping pong. I love that. <laughs> um, that's unique. This is, so, I, I, so you answered the question perfectly, which is, you understand your audience well enough to be able to um, mold the format to them so that, and I'm going to guess that after that first break where they, that kind of, as you said, kicked them out of their box, gets them a little more receptive and open. And by the lunch break, then they're even a little more open. And by lunch, by the afternoon break, they're, I won't say wide open, but as, as maybe as, as open as they could get. And uh, so, and they should probably thank you for that. What is the, <laughs> what, what's, you know, you've been doing this now four years. Uh, you're going to go into mm-hmm. your fifth year. 
And what's been the biggest surprise for you? Um, for me personally, sure. that I could do so many, so many different things. And I have skills that I didn't thought or didn't believe that I had. But, you know, you kind of grow into the role yes. um, naturally, more or less, because you have to. Because there's no one else who will do it as well. Um, but also to the outside... Um, so I didn't know about TEDx at all, what it was when I first joined TEDx UM. And I we feel so well connected. You know, we have like a, a big Facebook page. We have everyone around the university, I feel, knows us. And then mm. we did, when we do external campaigns, like we did this uh, last summer when we got uh, helium and like 500 balloons and we blew them up. They were branded, TEDx TUM branded. Mm. And we passed them on to people. And the first question is, Oh, you have Ted at home? Like, so they're super. Uh, once you go to the outside, even though there are other TEDx's in Munich as well, um, people, so many people don't know. And to me, it was a surprise that you can get stuck in your bubble and mm. feel mm. like, you know, mm. everyone knows us, mm. but they don't. Right. So that was, that was surprising. Uh, it, it is, it's interesting when you said you grow into this job and you started not knowing anything. I, how many of my listeners right now can identify with that, right? We, we, we had that idea. We had a conversation. We said, okay, I can do it. And you have no idea what you're getting into, but you know, you've got the passion and you, and you want to do it. And you're, you know, you're smart and bright and you've got the energy and, and you're, you uh, love to learn. I mean, that's, I think something about all of us organizers and, and Tedsters in general, we're curious. Um, we're, we're open yeah. to ideas. We, we love ideas. I, I mean, I love your, um, watching one TED talk a day, go to TEDxSantaBarbara.com and, and find one of our talks. I think you'll, uh, you'll find some interesting ones in there as well. I want to add to your, I your will do that reading tomorrow. List. Thank you so much. Um, it, but that you, the surprise is that you, your ability to learn and absorb. And I think this this organizer community is so supportive of one another. Uh, tools like the Hub, the Facebook group, hopefully this podcast uh, is helping all of us get better because we're also committed to um, the quality of the events and improving not only uh, just for the overall brand, but for our events. So we, you know, we can keep people coming and we have a good reputation and people think well of the work and uh, that uh, the job satisfaction for us comes from it being challenging and continuing to be challenging, right? That's what I, I know that's what keeps me going. It's like, okay, what are we going to do different yeah. this year? And, and how do we, we learn and get better? You said I, earlier, I Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry. I, I just wanted to say, I think it's also incredible. Like I've met so many, incredibly experienced organizers like uh, Dimitri from TEDx Cambridge. We met in Geneva and he mm. was talking about the the feedback. He gave a talk there, which I really recommend to anyone who's ever uh, gotten that NPS uh, feedback uh, sheet. Um, and he, and I talked to him afterwards and he's this incredibly experienced organizer, but he was so intent on, um, on, on knowing more about our event as well. And we had only had a small one back then. So we were really inexperienced and I was fairly new to it. But just 
through talking to him and him explaining and being really keen on, on sharing knowledge helped me a lot. And it still does. And now when someone comes to me and asks me, you know, how did you handle this challenge at university, for example, I'm also happy to help. So this culture of, I like, if I give knowledge to you, it doesn't take away from what I have right, is right, I think incredible. Right. It's, it's interesting. You say that because I've, it's the one area in my life where I freely share everything I know because I'm not in competition with the person I'm sharing it with. Right. It's yeah. like, I'm not, uh, I want them to know that. And uh, normally it's not like that in life, right? We, we kind of hold things back in one way or another. So uh, I love that about what we do. Tell me what you think. So as we're on these skills that you didn't know you had, and you know this question's coming, which is your superpower is, and there's organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, and partnering. Which one do you think you've, let's change it up a little bit, but which one of these skills do you have now that you didn't have when you started and you're really happy you have it? Um. If, I think it counts into uh, collaborating. Mm. Um, I I kind of have this role in the team. I naturally got it that I'm the person who kind of keeps the the big picture in mind. So also communicating outside the team to the hub, for example, or to other organizers, mm -hmm. but also inside mm -hmm. the team, communicating between the sub teams, and also just kind of in a, in a meeting when we're discussing something really granular. Um, just going one or two levels up and saying what that means mm -hmm. in the big picture part mm -hmm. of things. Um, so, for example, planning registration, you know, how many tables do we need? How many computers do we need? Who sits where? Um, having someone say, um, hey, guys, we have to plan this early because it's the first point of interaction. Mm -hmm. Someone comes in, they feel insecure. They're not sure what they're expecting. Mm -hmm. They pay a lot of money or mm -hmm. depending on what sure. ticket they have, sure. they pay money for it. Um and they want the day to go well. So if we can take that load off their hands, they will go happy into the day, for example. So we figured out that, for example, there is one table that gets everyone, tells them where to where to go. Then mm -hmm. they direct them directly to coffee afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then everyone is um, kind of happy. So I think that's my, I don't know if you can call it superpower, but that's my kind of natural role in the team to keep that in mind. When, when Which, as, as license owner, I think is also important. It, it absolutely is. And when you um, when you're having that kickoff conversation with the team, and you want to remind them of the mission, um, what's that sentence? Tell me what your sentence is. What's the mission? Mm. I one sentence. I say. It's, it's several sentences, really. <laughs> I would say, I would say, um, we believe really passionately in finding ideas in in and around the university and bringing them to people here, but also bringing them to the world afterwards. And we believe in giving people an incredible day that changes changes, you know, might change their outlook on something. I always say that if we, at the end of the day, if one person comes up to us and says, "Hey," I didn't think of it that way. I will maybe think differently tomorrow or I have this opportunity now that I wouldn't have pursued otherwise then then we did our job and the whole year was kind of worth it. And it was more than one sentence. 
um, I, I I think the you got to it at the end, which is the 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 why you do this, which is if one person says I think differently, uh, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I I love. Um, we live in a small town, and your university is like a small town, uh, and you run into people. I and and now I don't recognize all of the attendees, but they sure recognize me. And when you're in the store and they come up and they go, Oh my gosh, I just love that. And you know, I, I know it's going to be a TEDx conversation. So I immediately light up and I don't remember them, but I'll just say, you know, what was your favorite talk? And they'll say, I'm still thinking about whatever that talk was, the firefighter, Mm. the young man, or the, the singer or the guy who had the disease. Um, and, because I, I, I podcast and I ask questions, I just I'll ask them, you know, what part of it has lingered? Because I think the overall mission of what we do, it's ideas worth spreading, right? Ideas worth sharing. Mm-hmm. And so w- w- that call to action is to what are you going to do with that idea? Like mm-hmm. we ask our speakers to challenge the audience to do something with that idea, whatever that is for them, whatever is appropriate for them. And so it's interesting to see one month later, six months later, did it make a difference? So I, I love that you said that. Uh-huh. Just, I, I think differently. And I'm curious on your curation uh, because one of the things I love about TED, the, the main TED is that there's 70 talks that are wildly diverse, right? There's so many different uh-huh. things. Is the diversity of ideas something you pay attention to when you're curating? Yes, uh, definitely. It's also, um, since we're a technical university, we have a lot of research in and around the university that is centered on, you know, engineering, robotics, computer science, the sciences in general. Um, But we also, so we, if it's a science topic, we look at university first and around the university, but then we also take care to get ideas from the community, both local and sometimes you bring in some remote, um, to kind of complement those ideas. And it's also very interesting to see how those talks are received. Usually, talking, I talk to everyone I know, and I will have everyone tell me, not the day of the event, also not the day after, but a couple of days later, I have everyone tell me what they liked and what they didn't like. Um, and what talks also, what talk was their favorite and their least favorite. And even with people who are so similar to each other, who I know really well, and I know that they're um, they're almost the same in terms of what they like, the reactions are really, really different. Mm. That was also mm. surprising to me to also to accept that, that not everyone is going to like everything that we do, but different people like different things. Um, and it's still hard sometimes. Um, but we try to prime the audience for it as well to keep an open mind. And you do that as the host. I do that. I do that as the host, and I sometimes have a co-host as well. Um, but we also do that before the event. So, in when we send newsletters to prepare them for the day, um, also how we communicate about the event. Um, you know, we don't say it's a conference because then they will say, okay, is it a conference on the future of electromobility? And we say, no, it's not like that. It's it's a bigger kind of umbrella thing. It also helps that we had pretty abstract themes the past years. Um, so they can't really 
it's not linked to anything in their mind yet, which I think helps sometimes. That's the guidance we get from Ted, right? Is to, to make the theme abstract. And it's, it's kind of hard to do that because you, I, I would love to do a whole show on just on themes and I'd love to have um, a database of themes and with explanation, we don't, yeah. we don't have anything like that uh, as a resource just a to dip into. We had one uh, where nobody knew the word. Like la uh, the oh. year before last, 2016, use an old Greek word as the theme. It's entelechy, uh, which signifies the concept of bringing potential to reality. Um, so we love the concept, and we found the team member of ours found the the word for it, and we used it, and it was you know a pain to market to sponsors. Um, it was also a lot of oh. work explaining it, but I think it helped in terms of bringing the content. Mm. Um, into mm. people's minds and the diversity of content as well. Tell me um, a piece of advice you would have for organizers inside um, universities, maybe even youth events, but the, the challenges, something that uh, is you think unique to your type of event as opposed to the other town events or community events. Mm -hmm. So, Continuity, I think we already we already covered. That was definitely right. the biggest challenge. And I think it's a challenge to all TEDx events, but I think at university it's um it's potentially even a bigger challenge because people don't stick around or they're still younger or they're they haven't sorted out their career path yet. So things are changing much quicker than uh, when you're already in a profession, for example. Um another thing is um sponsoring. So it's again, it's a challenge to all events. Um, but if you're, um, I think if you market yourself as a student group that runs an event, it's um, sometimes well hard for sponsors to see the value. So in the in the beginning, we tried. Uh, I think we solved that problem before we grew bigger. Now it now it's much easier. But in the in the beginning, it was it was harder. We solved it by selling our audience. So the the sponsors knew that there were going to be a lot of students, a lot of young professionals at the event. Um, and we basically stopped talking to their marketing or branding departments and started talking to they, their HR departments. Um, mm. Or sometimes they also have departments just for university collaboration, which are usually linked to HR. Um, and that worked much better. Love that's um that there is a great tip. That's exactly what a good tip is. Is how do you? That's it's almost like a hack. Um, so you're <laughs> you just finished your event um several weeks ago, and you're you know so now you've reapplied for your next license, and you've done all the things that we do to to button up the one event, and hopefully you're you're taking a little bit of a break. You have you know the holiday break. Um, but now as a, you know, a diehard organizer, you can't not think about your 2018 event. So what, what are you looking forward to in your next event? Well, I'm, I'm co-leading the curation team this year. So I'm going um, more hands-on like I did, um, I did two years ago with curation. So I'm really looking forward on introducing a lot of new things there since I have a co-team lead who I'm also really excited to work with. Um, and since we have, I think we're going to work together well, we have a bit more energy and a bit mm. more, um, 
experience as well to to introduce some new things. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, just the event. I mean, that energy in the room, right. once you got them all there, it's yeah. really, yeah. it's, there's nothing like it for me. I know. I, I 100,000% agree with you. That's we, we <laughs> work so hard, but boy, when you step, when that, when it's showtime and the Chris Anderson video is played and you step in and you say, welcome, you know, it's time for Ted. It's just like, wow, it's, it's spectacular. Yeah. Usually I'm running around, but I do take 30 seconds to go out. Kimberly is, is our host of our event, but I like to come out and mm -hmm. cause all the communications come from me. And so I like to come out and welcome people. And, and I also got a tip from uh, a TEDx Amsterdam about um, uh, individually welcoming Reading every people. single person. Yeah. Everybody should do that. There's like, that's just automatic. You do that. What, um, so you, I love this part, which TEDx. So if we can get you on uh, an airline and fly you to any TEDx in the world, where would you like to go? I thought about that one because I was expecting that question and it, <laughs> it's very hard to decide. So if, if that red carpet also takes me back in time, oh. I would like to go to TEDx. Uh, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's Velenje. It's, um, I think, in Slovenia, and they did a TEDx in a mine. It's, uh, it was like the deepest TEDx, uh, like uh, 150 meters under the surface or something like that. So those are some deep ideas, oh. which I, I just love the, the, I mean, how anyone can think of doing that in the first place and then also pulling it off is uh, really amazing to me. We don't have any mines in here in Munich, sadly, but... Uh, I would have loved to been, be there. I love that. You know, this uh, this question, uh, last week's show that I posted was with uh, Kiki Tolls, the student who uh, did uh, TEDx mm -hmm. uh, Laguna Blanca Youth. Her event is in mm -hmm. seven days. And, and, and we've been really challenged here in Santa Barbara with our mudslides and our and our fire and, and all yeah, of that. I heard. So it's really, really testing them. But she said that... Um, she wanted to go to TEDx women or TEDx TED women. And mm -hmm. someone read that one of our other guests, Kevin Rabinovich, uh, who does uh, TEDx Columbia youth. And he reached out and he reached out to me and to her and said, let's figure out a way to get her to TED women. And he's going to put together a crew to make sure she gets to go. So I was just like, okay, that's wow. the first example of, you know, this, this 16 year old who, on the show says something, a listener picks it up and says, let's, let's make that happen. So I love that. I don't know that Amazing, we can get yeah. a, a time machine for you, but, uh, uh, <laughs> we'll see. How Maybe they'll do it again. I don't know. There you go. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll definitely going to find out who those folks are. So we finish up with, um, the best hack. And the, the more I think about framing this question, it's, it's so hard to raise money. And it's so hard to produce these events on, mm. on limited budget. So we have to do so many things creatively, right. And figure out uh, the, this big idea that solves a problem and improves something, but it can't cost any money. So it's like the hack has to be free, right? So it's, it might be a mindset hack. It might be whatever. What, what's your hack you want to share with the other organizers? Um, Yes, I think 
I have one. So you notice that you need to, t as a level one license, you need to show a TED talk. Um, like 25% of your content have to be TED talks. Yes, yes. And um, we couldn't figure out a way, like I as a host have to frame that as well, you know, because people in the audience who don't know about it are like, you know, why do we have to watch a video? I came right. here to listen to a speaker. So we had um, people from the community um, that we thought were supportive of the idea of TED and TEDx come on stage and present their favorite TED talk uh, last oh. year. So we call them TED talk promoters. And it wasn't a proper talk or anything. It was just an intro. So they framed a talk. And then it wasn't, you know, me saying, we have to show you this. Uh, how do I put it nicely? But it was them saying, you know, I came here and I brought the talk that means the most to me. Mm. Um, and it was really well received. Um, we had uh, a Tedster who lives in Munich. We contacted him and he came by. He also gave us amazing feedback afterwards. And I also got to know some new TED Talks, which is rare. <laughs> these days, <laughs> uh, which I hadn't known before. Sure. I, I love that idea. That is, that is fantastic. <clears throat> so this last, just your last event was the first time you'd done it that way. That was the first time. Yeah. Last month. And, and do you have a name for that? I mean, I wrote down my favorite talk, but do, do you have a name for what that is? We call them TED Talk promoters internally. We don't call them that to the outside. We just say some people from the community came here to promote or to to tell us about their favorite TED Talk. I love that. Dora, thank you so much for um, – I, I love your energy. The audience can't see you, but you've got a lot of energy, and I appreciate that, and I, I see that a lot in organizers. I love that you listen to the show and that you've had a chance to be on the show now, so that's fantastic. And thank that, you. Uh, you're going to have your meeting tonight and share some ideas and and invite them to listen as well. It shows it's not just for organizers, but team members who – may look through, I think I've got 60 or 70 shows up now, so they may find something specific. Like we did the one show on how to manage the green room and, you know, mm -hmm. how to do That's production. Great. Wasn't that a good, yeah, Craig, was, yes. was a great show. Half of my list is from that one. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that, Craig? That's, there you go, buddy. Uh, now, I know you went to TED Fest uh, last year. Are you going to go this year? I uh, don't think so. I might bring one or two members of my team over if we have the budget. We're going to find it right. out tonight, probably. Oh, good. Um, I already went and I got amazed and now they should go and get their part of it, I think. Oh, Maybe perfect. next year. Well, if, if you do end up sending them, make sure they um, introduce themselves to us. We'll be there. That's uh, mm -hmm. my second favorite thing to do uh, each year is to go to Fest. I'm so glad that exists. Dora, thanks for, thanks for joining us on the show. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.